All right. <clears throat> Great worship this morning, man. I appreciate that, Kobe and t- worship team. That's, <clears throat> man, it's good stuff. Getting us focused on what we're here for today. And it, it's, it amazes me at how simple the gospel is. I mean, really, as we were singing that song, I was just thinking, you know, it, it's just, it never ceases to amaze me how simple the gospel is. As we've been going through this, this, uh, this short series on spiritual warfare, it amazes me how simple warfare is. Um, the, the, the simple gospel message is enough to cover everything that you need in life as believers. Knowing who God is and responding to that by receiving the free gift of Christ and all that comes with Christ, we, we're done. It's just walking in that appropriating those things. I appreciate this morning as the worship team and I were talking about just how, how God is working in our lives in response to these truths and our awareness, just our awareness of these truths, how that has affected the way that we live our, our, our lives during the week and how much it's changed us. It's not that these things have not always been true. It's just that we don't ever bring them to mind and Satan is so crafty at keeping those things out of our heads, keeping truth out of our heads. You know, just the, the, that song we talked about this morning, just about, you know, how Satan is constantly filling our minds with lies. And if we can just know the truth, first of all, know it in such a way that, that we walk in it and God applies it not only to our heads, but he takes it out of our heads and puts it in our life, then it becomes this truth that we can't get away from and we know how to apply it. You know, if we just have those experiences with God in multiple categories of our lives, then we're going to start winning the battles. We've already won the war. Satan is defeated. We'll start winning these little battles in our lives. Satan's not going to have his way with us anymore. And, the, and consequently, what will happen is we'll become a community that's unified, even more than we are now, unified in purpose not just in unified in our understanding of Christ and not just thinking, not just a group of people that uh, are like-minded in the way we think about God, the way we, uh, we walk together as a body, but also in the ministry that we do. The purpose that God's called us to, our hearts will be involved in that. It's not going to be one agenda and another and, and us trying to, to compromise to make these things fit because we all have these ideas that we want. It's God putting us together unifying us. So today we're going to talk about winning the battle. Now, So far we have said these things. Number one, God has objectively defeated Satan and his agenda. He's already delivered us as believers from, for instance, from sin's penalty, right? Nobody in here is going to uh, spend eternity separated from God in hell because Jesus has already defeated Satan. We have eternal life through him, so he's already delivered us from sin's penalty and from sin's power. Jesus defeated sin's power when he lived on the earth. He never sinned, so that means sin never had power over him. He defeated it completely. He lived a perfect life, and he gives that life to us. So that the imputed righteousness of Christ, his perfection, has been gifted to us through our salvation. 
So we're delivered from sin's penalty and power. And ultimately, God is even going to deliver us from sin's presence, right? When we die and we go into to heaven or this world ends and we're all in heaven together with God. But in the meantime, we are involved in warfare. And in Chip Ingram's book, The Invisible War, which is where these, these messages are coming out of, he describes it as guerrilla warfare because the, the, the war has already been won, right? So it's just he's little, Satan is doing the best that he can. His little pockets of demons are trying to move and work in the world. So it's guerrilla warfare that we're fighting with demonic forces in this world. So we've looked at that in detail. If you need more of that, listen, I encourage you, go get Chip Ingram's book, read it. Uh, it's very detailed. You can listen to it rather than read it if you don't like to read. Uh, you can get an audio book and listen to it. But I encourage everybody to get that book and to listen to it. Chip Ingram's not anybody special. He's just a man who has done a good job taking the Word of God and applying it to these truths about our battle. Number two, as believers, we've been transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light with all of the rights, privileges, and position of being a, that being a child of God entails. We no longer live in the, in the kingdom of darkness. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read last week of how God has, through Christ, transferred us into a different kingdom. We used to live in the world of darkness, but now we've been transfer, transferred into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, as we talked about in the very first sermon of this series. We talked about light to close out last year. We no longer live in the kingdom of darkness. And you might say, well, Glenn, you know, the darkness reigns on the earth. Yes, but we don't live in that. Jesus said that his kingdom is with man now. When Jesus came into the world and the Holy Spirit came to live here, there's two kingdoms in this physical kingdom that we look at. The kingdom of darkness is a spiritual kingdom that is, is uh, at work in this world, but also the kingdom of God. We operate in the kingdom of God. So we are adopted children of God, and all of what God has for his children in his kingdom, we have. And it's all available to us. So there's a spiritual war going on. We looked at that, and we, and we are on the side of the winner. All right? He's, Satan has already been defeated. And then number three, last week, we looked at the fact that spiritual, this spiritual battle involves a responsibility on our part, because the commander has told us to do this, is that our responsibility is to put on the spiritual protection that God has given to us. The spiritual armor. We can, can and we will resist the enemy's attempts to deceive us, to accuse us, to cast doubt. When we stand firm in him in these ways, number one. Last week we talked about putting on the belt of truth. That is a number of things. First of all, it's knowing the truth that the Word of God says about the lies that the enemy keeps putting in our heads. It's knowing the truth. Uh, some of our worship teams this morning said had a new appreciation, they said this week, for just reading the Word of God. Not because I have to, because I'm supposed to, not because I ought to, not because the pastor told me to, not because my mama uh, likes it when I read the Bible, not because uh, it makes me look good. There's a whole different reason. Satan has deceived our minds into thinking that holding a Bible 
and reading the words is the secret, and it's not. It's that we need to know the truth, literally. This is, truth comes to life. Truth is not just knowledge. Truth is knowledge put into practice, which is the second thing, which I'll get to in a second. But also, in, under knowing the truth, putting on the belt of truth is being honest about where we are. Not trying to pretend like we've got everything together. Being willing to open up ourselves to, to believers. That's the, the blessing of living in community with people who receive you and accept you as you are. And don't uh, judge you. I love that about the gathering place. I've never heard anyone come say they came to the gathering place and felt judged. We might not have it all together, but I can tell you as a, as a group, I believe we, we're getting that. Now, it doesn't mean we never judge people. We'll talk about that some today, too. But, you know, the, the, the congregation as a whole, we're trying to move with God towards being a congregation who doesn't condemn people, but instead offers love and acceptance and salvation to people. And so knowing the truth and being honest and transparent about where we are. The beginning of healing, I was sharing with somebody, somebody was sharing with me today this truth. The beginning of healing is, put, is saying it. Go ahead and admit it. You, you, you have issues, and it's okay. That's why we promote life groups, because life groups are a place where you can get to know people, you know, and there's, there's all those hesitations begin to, to, to go away of being transparent when you know people well enough to know their business, and they know your business, and you, you open up. I encourage that. But the second thing is that we, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. That is, hold on to his righteousness, first of all, which is... Every, everything that we do that has anything to do with righteousness, hear me, church, everything that we do is rooted in the righteousness that we already possess in Christ. You can never be good enough. I'm not saying go work hard to impress God, go gain something by working, go be a good person, live a righteous life so that God will be pleased with you and you can, ha- and you can defeat the enemy. That's not what we're saying at all. That is contrary to Scripture, and it's the way many of us grew up. Okay, but everybody get that. First thing is that we hold, we're holding on to his righteousness. So when Satan accuses us, we say, you know, you're right. I embrace your accusation, right? But you're missing the second part of this, accus- of, of this truth. Yes, I'm guilty, but God has given me his righteousness. So what you got? He has nothing. But that passage also that, that word in this passage really has more to do with living in obedience. Putting on the, righteous, the, the breastplate of righteousness is living in obedience to God. It's knowing his commands and it's obeying them. And we're going to talk more today about how that moves into the shield of faith. But listen, if you think that knowledge in your head is what's going to defeat the enemy, you have missed it. You've missed the point. If you think that regurgitating words out of your mouth and some type of incantation to the devil every day is going to make things right, you've missed it. No wonder you're having such a struggle. The breastplate of righteousness is knowing what God desires for you and living in it. And when you walk in that in different areas of your life, as many of you have, you know, I see heads nodding, you, you know what it means to know God. That gives you a knowledge of God that's beyond uh, Satan's ability to, to take truth out, to take truth and twist it in your head. You know it because you've lived it, because you've experienced it in your life. You've obeyed God, and God showed up in a way that, 
that you know something that nobody can take away from you. We'll talk about a couple of those today. But the breastplate of righteousness, put it on. It protects the vital organs. It's the thing that has stopped us from knowing God. It is, a, the, you know, when we talk today about we're laying down our religion, man, that, that is a testimony of this church, right? We have laid down our religion to know him. So many of us have held on to ideas and philosophies and religious theologies, but we've never held him. And we don't know him because we, we're trying to fit him into a box. And so we're laying that stuff down. And then the third thing is clearly understanding the gospel, first of all, because the gospel is the shoes that we hold on to. It's what we stand firm in. It's the spiked shoes that the Roman soldier had that, that kept him where he could stand firm. No one can knock you off your feet if you understand the salvation that you have in Christ, that it's not based on your works. It's the salvation of grace, and that knowledge of grace is what will sustain you when the enemy comes and says, see how pitiful a Christian you are? You're not a Christian. And you can say, oh, no, it's, it's, a, it's the grace of God. While I was a sinner, yes, in rebellion against God, while I could not be good enough, ever be good enough, Christ died for me. Now what you got? See, we need to stand firm with our armor on, people. We need to know the gospel. And the other thing is share the gospel with other people. When you share the gospel, man, you get solid in it. When you start seeing the effect of the gospel on people. I was thinking as we were singing the simple gospel. You know, the gospel of grace, I love what's going on, for instance, right now in Ruston. As I'm sharing just the gospel of grace. Just the truth about the imputed righteousness of Christ. And I'm watching people's eyes get opened and they, they get giddy. They can't, it's like, this is so awesome. What? How did I miss this? I mean, I, it's overwhelming. It, it reminds you of the truth of the gospel when you see people, when you see their heart being grabbed by who God is. When their hearts are changed and they want to live for him, not because they have to, or you don't have to tell them what to do. All of a sudden, they desire to live for God. I hope you got that. Now, we're going to go into number four today. And that is, according to Chip Ingram, who wrote this book that we're using as our guide, uh, the great majority of spiritual warfare never needs to go beyond the regular practice of what we've already discussed. Living in our position in Christ by faith. Our practice of what Paul described last week and what we talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 6, our practice of putting on the spiritual armor protects us from Satan's ongoing attempts to break our fellowship with Jesus and as a result, greatly minimize uh, our, our love for him and our walk with him. We have what we need for everyday kinds of attacks. And so the enemy, this, if you will walk in the things we've already talked about, those simple truths of putting on the spiritual armor, you're, you're going to minimize any impact that the enemy can have on your life. Does everybody get that? Beginning to see that? Appropriate what God has given you. But there are times when we have to move beyond just standing firm, and we need to engage the enemy in actual content, uh, combat. Ingram talks about five times, and in his book, I, I want to give you these, and I would like for you to, to, if you want to jot these down, jot down the scriptures, because these are, I, I've done deeper study in scripture regarding these five things, just because 
even though I know Chip Ingram knows the scriptures tied to these, I want to spend some time on these five things because this is where we are as a church. And I've gone uh, into scripture to give some examples for us to look at, and these won't be in the book. Some biblical examples of these five critical times, if you will, in our lives when we need to engage the enemy in a, beyond just standing firm in the, in, the, uh, with, in the armor that we possess. You'll see them as we go through that. First of all, when we're taking significant steps of faith for spiritual growth. If you've made a decision to take steps of faith to grow spiritually and you are moving forward in that personally, which is most of you in this room, then you can expect that this is going to be a time when you need to engage the enemy. Don't think for a second that if you determine in your heart that you're going after God, that you're not going to have a battle on your hands. Satan will, in, he will come to you with everything he's got. Here comes the fiery darts. I can promise you they're coming. We know that. We've experienced that. When we put our faith into action, when, we move, when we're moving the knowledge from our heads to our hearts, into our lifetime and into our experience, you can expect here comes the enemy. Church, y'all awake this morning? I mean, your heads are here, but listen, this is all of us. Everybody in this room that's in the gathering place, if, if, you've, if you understand that you've embraced and you've decided to be here, be a, you understand what abiding means and you've been going after God in that, why is it that we haven't been able to abide? Because abiding is what's, where spiritual growth comes from. Abiding is where your knowledge of God comes from that's going to change your life. When we go after God, you, I can guarantee you, Satan hates that. In Luke chapter 10, we know this story. We've read it and we studied it in our study on Jesus uh, last year. But I want to bring this story back up. Here's 72 disciples who are determined that they're going to change their lives and they're going to go with God. They're disciples of Jesus. And Jesus sends these 72 out. They're stepping it up in their spiritual life. They've made a decision to be like the 12 disciples who just in the verses prior to, to this one in chapter 10, the 12 go out with nothing and they, they're going to, to, to serve God, to be God's hands and feet and, and they're growing spiritually and they're, they're, it's, it's amazing what all's going on in these disciples' lives. And so Jesus sends them out so that they can grow some more spiritually. And when they go out, they came back with joy. But look at what he says in chapter 10, verse 17 through 19. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. And he said to them, uh, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. So here's disciples growing to the point that they're ready to move forward with God. And now they're stepping out. And, and what, who do they face? Who do they find as they go out? They find Satan. They find demonic powers. The enemy is in their face. But they already had the power to defeat the enemy. You know, the demonic forces showed up, I'm sure, with all the expectation that these 72 disciples would 
go running back to Jesus and say, wait a minute, you didn't say there was going to be demons because he didn't. But they didn't go back. The demons fell. Jesus gave them authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and the, over all the power of the enemy. So listen, how many of us, how many of you, whenever you, your heart finally was won over by God, right? Not your mind, but your heart was finally won over by God. And you made a solid decision to pursue God. And you took the time to carefully organize your life and your schedule around it. Around your pursuit of God so that you could do a good job of going after Him. Spending time in His Word, praying, seeking God for daily decisions in life. Moment by moment, trying to focus more of your life around Him. How many of you suddenly found yourself under attack? We've done it as a church. It's the, it's the ongoing broken record of the story of individuals in this body. For those of you who don't know what a broken record is, it just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. It's going to happen to every one of us. It is the way that Satan works. He did it in this story in Luke chapter 10, and he will do it in our lives. We are going after God personally. Each one of you are. Not corporately yet. Personally. And Satan wants to destroy that because he, because your hearts are, are growing toward God. You're experiencing spiritual growth. So expect it. He's coming after you. I don't know how he's coming after you, but he will come after you. And you know it. What has stopped you from spending time with God? Are you, or when you're spending time with God, from staying focused on His Word, or when you're, when you're focused on His Word, from taking that Word and applying it to your life, Satan knows how to defeat that. Church, we need to abide in Christ. All right, number two, when we're invading the... And listen, those are fiery darts. He's not coming at you with something simple. He's coming at you with the hard stuff. Okay? This is beyond just the normal put on your, put on your armor. All right, second thing, when you're invading the enemy's territory, very similar example than we just read, right? We, we find this story in Paul's life also in the New Testament. When you're invading the enemy's territory, things like through things like evangelism, the, 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 Paul was under constant contact because Paul decided that he was going to take the gospel and he was going to spread it to the whole world. And he gets on his first missionary journey, and he goes from place to place, town to town, as the Holy Spirit leads him. And the Scripture's clear about the Holy Spirit leads him to towns. There are times when he wants to go to one town, and the Holy Spirit stops him and sends him to another. He is under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He is walking with God. He is doing the ministry that, that God had for him. And Satan came to him from all angles in an attempt to stop him, to stop his ministry, to stop him from spreading the gospel. This has been Satan's territory. All these towns and villages that Paul went to was Satan's territory. And Paul is threatening the enemy. At one point when he was dealing with some false teachers who were bragging about their pedigrees and trying to add to the gospel some of the works of the law, Paul comes to speak to the church at Corinth, or he writes a letter to the church at Corinth, and he addresses that. And in this address, he's saying, listen, if it was all based on works, I have the right to boast more than anybody else. But it's not based on works. But here's what Paul says is happening. The reason I want to read this passage is to show you, here's Paul's goal. 
preached nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is going. He is called to go to the nations, and he's preaching. And listen to the kind of attacks that Paul has as a servant of Christ. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hard, hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure of me, on my anxiety for all the churches. Church, brace yourself. If you're not ready, you need to be ready. You need to stand firm. You need to put on your armor. The attack has begun, and it will continue for us as a church. It's going to continue for you. It's going to continue for me. Be acutely aware, but don't fear Satan and his attacks. All these things may happen to us, but here's the, here's the truth. Paul did all of these things, and he did it with joy. Now, that joy is not fake joy. That joy is not something that only Paul could have. Realize that. And when we look at all these things that Paul experienced, I can, I can tell you what our tendency is. Satan tends to tell us, all those things are going to happen to you. You need to quit. Quit. Don't go, don't go share the gospel with people. Don't, don't spread the word. Because all these things are coming for you. And I'm not going to say they're not. I'm going to say, get ready for those. Brace yourself. Because God has called us as a church. Remember our mission. Our mission is to go and spread this word. And if we're out there invading the enemy's territory, then he's not going to take it standing down. This town belongs to the enemy. And if you're determined to make a difference, get ready. Now, Paul was not just under attack because he was invading the enemy's territory. A third thing that Chip covers in his book is he says we're under attack and, and, and the times to engage will come whenever we're exposing Satan for who he really is. Now, we've been talking for three weeks about the tactics of the enemy. And we're talking some more about him today. We're exposing Satan for who he really is, church, so we need to get ready. The attacks that Paul experienced, it may have been due to the fact that he was revealing Satan uh, or invading his territory, but it was also because he was revealing who Satan really was. This teaching on spiritual warfare, uh, you know, is, is to the church at Ephesus. And I encourage you to go read Acts chapter 19. We're not going to cover that passage today. But go read Acts chapter 19. I'll tell you in a, in a uh, kind of story form what happens in Acts chapter 19. Paul comes to Ephesus for his first visit. The church is, be, is being formed there. Paul spends two years in Ephesus, and he is preaching and teaching and forming, and his church is being formed. Believers are coming to, to people are coming to Christ and becoming believers in Christ. But in this particular town of Ephesus, there was a lot of demonic activity. And so Paul is casting out demons. Uh, 
demons are, are leaving people screaming. In, in that passage, it says that many of those that believe openly confessed their evil deeds. Satan hates that. They were practicing sorcery. And, and in response to the message of Christ, they brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And if you calculated the price of those scrolls, it was, it was a day's wage times 50000 That's how much those scrolls are said to have cost in the Scripture. 50,000 drachmas. So imagine you work 50,000 days. And that's what it cost to buy these scrolls. And they were burning them publicly. Listen, Satan was falling. The word was spreading widely, the Scripture says. And, and it grew. The word of God grew in power. And Satan did not give up, apparently, because here's Paul writing the, the, in Ephesians chapter 6 in this passage that we're talking about. Oh, by the way, also in the middle of that, the religion started to happen. There were people who wanted the power, right? There were people who said, you know, we want to be, we want to be like Paul. We can cast out demons too. And so they came... Uh, there's one story of the sons of Sceva where they came in, the, in Acts chapter 19. They came to, to some, some demons and said, uh, in the name of Paul, we cast you out. And they said, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but we don't know you guys. And the Bible says that they beat them, the demons beat them and sent them out naked and bleeding. And that story got told, and everybody in town began to fear Satan and fear the Lord. They began to be acutely aware of Satan's tactics. And because of that, they feared the Lord. They respected the Lord. They wanted the Lord's power. They wanted Jesus. And so the, so the world's being turned upside down, and, and Satan's being, his, his, uh, the, the limits of his power are beginning to be revealed. And so in that kind of setting, God is giving major victories because Satan's tactics are being revealed. And, he's, and it's being revealed, and it's obvious that he's not as strong. Even Paul's handkerchief, when it would touch somebody, the demons would come out of him. All right, so they're starting to see the limitations of Satan's power. But what happens? I don't know how it happened, but over time, fear of Satan overcame their respect for God. And now Paul's having to write this letter to the Ephesian church that we get to study about putting on the spiritual armor, about the fact that it's not, we're not fighting the physical battle. We're not fighting flesh and blood. It's powers and principalities. Remember that. And you have already won. Now, why would Paul have to say that to the church at Ephesus if that kind of thinking didn't already come back? We need to realize that Satan is on the attack. And when we start attacking and telling the truth about his weaknesses, Exposing him for who he really is, he's coming after us. Again, church, listen. Prepare yourself. We are revealing the tactics of the enemy, and it, it isn't hard to figure out because he's not that complicated. He's, he's predictable, he, and he's not hard to defeat. We need to simply appropriate the power that God has given us, and we need to appropriate it day by day, moment by moment in our lives, and engage in warfare. We've got to do it because we are revealing these tactics to the enemy, and he's coming after us. 
He's firing his, his arrows towards us. Number four, another time when we need to engage the enemy is when we repent and make a clean break with the world. A long-held sin pattern or an unholy relationship that we have. When, we make, when we're making a break with the, with the sin in our life, the, our connections with the world get ready. Remember Peter's denial? It was due to the fear that Peter had of Jewish leaders. He was obviously had encountered the Spirit of God in Jesus. He knew the power of God, but he didn't operate in it. He had not made a clean break with this, his tendency to please the Jewish leaders. And he had not made a, break, a clean break with his sin of fear. And then when the Holy Spirit came, he did. Right? At Pentecost, he's preaching to all the Jews that had gathered in Jerusalem that Jesus was the Christ, which is the very thing that they crucified him for. And so he, he's standing firm. He has is, he is repented and made a, made a break with that sin in his life. But Satan didn't give up on him. I promise you guys, if we go after God and we start making a clean break with the sin in our lives and we show any evidence of that and we think that we're getting control of it, then Satan's coming with that same sin. He's coming right back. And in Galatians, the, the scripture talks about a relationship between an encounter between Paul and, and Peter where we see Peter's sin coming back. We see Satan using that sin against Peter in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face, or to his face, Cephas being Peter, because he stood condemned. For before certain men uh, came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, the Jews. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by his hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, are you not like a Jew? How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So here's a sin in his life. Satan doesn't come after a sin that wasn't a problem for Peter. He comes after the same sin that made Peter deny Jesus or that caused Peter to be tempted to deny Jesus in the, in the courtyard. It's that sin of worrying about what the Jewish leaders thought, what the Jewish people thought. And it's a combination of his concern of maybe being liked by them, but also of his fear of what they could do to him. Have you noticed that? You have certain habitual sins in your life. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there's certain things in your life, certain sins? It's, it's not all sins, but there's certain sins in your life that are habitual. That they're the place where Satan had you for so long, and, and that's the place that sins so easily beset us, as Scripture talks about. Satan goes after those sins really for two reasons. Number one, because you're, you already have a history of that type of sin, and so your body is used to it. Your habit, your members of your body are waging war against your spiritual side. And then the second thing is because he can follow that failure with feelings of guilt and shame. When Satan can make you fall in a place where you fell before, after you've already committed not to do it, can you imagine Peter? He said, even if the rest of them die with you, I will not forsake you. And then just the, 
the rest, before the night was up, he's denied Jesus three times. What do you think Satan said to him? You're not a disciple of Christ. You're pitiful. You're weak. You're not ever going to stand for Christ. And he believed it because he went back to fishing. And until Jesus comes to him on the beach in John 21 and reinstates him in the ministry and says, all right, Peter, do you love me? Yes, three times. He gives him a, a chance to repent. And when he repents, then his first test comes at Pentecost, and he, he stands. And then what happens? He falls again. And he gets reprimanded in, with, uh, by, by Paul in his letter to the church of the, of the Galatian church. Y'all see the pattern? And Satan does that to us. He comes after us because we already have a history of that type of sin or addiction in our life. And he comes after us in that same way and tempts us again to cause us to fall. And then he brings, with that failure, he brings guilt and shame and a sense of hopelessness. We need to be ready. We need to be ready, church, because we are, all of us, trying to get sin out of our life. We're working with, the, with God and, and, and we're appropriating his power to overcome sin patterns in our lives. So watch out. Satan's coming in those same areas. Strengthen yourself. Get the word of God in your head, in your heart regarding those sins. Number five, when God's preparing us individually or corporately for a great work, for his glory. <laughs> you know, God was using the, the Corinthian church in a lot of great ways. They had a reputation that was spreading regarding their encounter with Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in their life and all that stuff. They had a reputation that was spreading of being strong, of making a difference. God was using that church in great ways. But look, I mean, yeah, look at, the, look at what uh, Paul says in the very beginning uh, verses of his first letter to the church at Corinth. He says, in verse 4, I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and all your knowledge because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So they had this great testimony of, of Christ that had been confirmed in them. 1 Corinthians, however, addresses so many practical problems, questions that were dividing the church, questions concerning things like spiritual gifts, marriage, food that was offered to idols, the resurrection of Jesus. They had all these divisions within the church. Why? Because Satan is not going to take a church that's moving forward with a great testimony to bless a community. He's not going to take that stand, uh, sitting down. Paul urged the Corinthians to be unified and to give themselves fully to the work of God. And I want to encourage us. Here we are, TGP West. We're moving forward. We're moving towards our 2018 vision that God's given us to be a community that blesses. Do you think that Satan's going to take that sitting down? He's not. We're geared up and we've begun applying messages with a theme that brings on the attack. We're becoming a community that blesses. We're on track to bring change to our community. We're on, tr on track as a group of believers, and we're unified to go make a difference for, for the kingdom of God, to touch this community and bring a change. I believe an awakening is on the horizon. And we need to recognize that these and other situations like we talked about bring on the concentrated efforts of Satan and, and his demonic forces. 
So then the question becomes, once you're wearing your spiritual armor, you still find yourself bombarded by spiritual opposition because of all these things that we're doing with the Lord. How do we engage and win the battles? We're not going to cover all this today, but I want to cover one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 to 17. We need at least something we can stand with this week as we get these attacks from the enemy. When the fiery darts are coming towards us, what do we do? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right. Everybody wake up spiritually. Because this truth is something Satan does not want you to know today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this truth to us and we're going to be out of here. But I want to give it to you in a way that's practical, that you can understand it, so you can apply it this week. Because we are, we are the people that are described in those five categories. We are those people who are going after God, who are revealing the enemy's tactics, who are, who are taking his territory, who are, who are personally going after trying to win uh, people to the Lord and make a difference in our community. We are a group that's unified and moving in that direction. You need to be ready. So first of all, he says, take up the shield of faith. Now, the shield that we're talking about, two different types of shields. Most of you have seen these in movies, but there's a little shield that a Roman soldier would hold, this little small round shield that you use in hand-to-hand combat. But then he, this, this passage is talking about a shield that's about four feet high and two and a half feet wide. And it has hooks and, and rings on both sides that they hook to one another. And y'all have seen these in some recent movies where, where Roman soldiers would come together and hook their shields together and they place them on the ground and it protects, it protects and they get down behind them and they, they make a, a wall, literally, and they can move forward while uh, arrows are being shot at them. In addition to that, the Roman shields were made of iron and two layers of wood that are wrapped in linen and covered, uh, the whole thing covered in leather. But they'd leave a gap between the layers, so this is what would happen. The flaming arrows would, would actually penetrate far enough into the shield to be extinguished. So Ingram in his book speaks of a soldier who at the end of a battle came home, I don't know if it was a story uh, that was told, uh, legend or whatever, came home with 200 arrows stuck in his shield, four foot by two and a half. That kind of stuff. We need protection. We need more protection. And we need the kind of protection that puts out these flaming arrows. We need something that extinguishes Satan's lies, Satan's deceptions, Satan's attacks. The shield of faith. So this shield of faith is that kind of shield. Spiritually, this shield puts out Satan's attacks towards us. Now, last week we spoke about the breastplate of righteousness, which, again, is a restatement of the abiding cycle for us. The enemy can't get to us if we're walking in the knowledge of God that we gained by experience. Faith grows every time that God reveals himself through our obedience. When he does something only he can do, a God-exclusive activity in our lives, when he reveals himself through those things, our faith grows. And at first, it's like building up our breastplate, protecting our vital organs against the enemy. He can't attack us. But there are still times when Satan fires his darts 
like we talked about, and it tend, it, we tend to go back to our default reactions. And we need more protection, which basically means we need more faith. Right? Everybody get that? More protection just means more faith. And more faith comes, so it's the shield of faith. And that's only going to come whenever we allow God to give us the strength to apply truth to our lives over and over and over and over again. And our shield gets, our breastplate gets thick, and then we have an, another shield that extinguishes everything that the enemy throws at us. In those times when we're really going after God, he throws something at us that's exceptionally hard, exceptionally difficult, that's targeted at our vital organs, and he thinks we're going to be weak, and we need to stand strong with the shield of faith. So let me give a couple of categories. Category number one, you can see, I've I, I got these up here. Number one, basic needs. Our basic needs, you know, we, we, have, we need food, shelter. We, we've got bills to pay, those basic needs in our life. In the fallen world which we, in which we live, so on an ongoing basis, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're going after God or not, whether you're really pursuing God and trying to make a difference in the world, revealing the enemy's tactics in the fallen world, we don't get paid enough sometimes. In, in the fallen world, sometimes we buy more stuff than we need, right? And so there's not enough money at the end of the month. More month than money. All of us have been there and get there regularly. That's a regular part of our just living life as fallen people. But God is still faithful. By, by you know, The faith builder for us at that point is that God still provides all that we need. And so we start learning about God's faithfulness in our lives, all right? That's when, when God provides what we need, even though we've been irresponsible, even though our boss didn't pay us enough, he's been irresponsible, whatever the case may be, there's not enough money, and, and, and maybe it's because of sin, and God still provides for us. You know what that does? It gives us a breastplate of righteousness, right? We are walking out the reality of God in our life, but... There's going to be a challenge in your life. God's going to challenge you, for instance, to give an impractical, illogical month, uh, amount to his work. God's going to tell you, to, he, he's going to reveal to you that he wants you to give a certain amount to his work, at the gathering place, somewhere else, whatever. He's going to reveal to you to give money that you can't afford. And you choose to obey. Now you're stepping it up. You're building that breastplate of righteousness, Right? And with the faith that you have, you do what God tells you to do, and then guess what happens? God comes through, and you come to know God as your provider. That's the breastplate. That's where it really gets built up is when God gives you something to do, for instance, in your finances or, or with your time or with your whatever it is you don't have enough of to, to provide for your own basic needs, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to do this, but it means my basic needs have to be taken care of by God, that's faith. You're, and you walk in it. You obey what God says. Then your breastplate gets built up. And you don't, have, you don't, you don't walk in fear anymore regarding your finances. You don't re, ever have fear in you. Or maybe you have some, but you don't have very much fear anymore. That, that was your default. Now you don't have that anymore. God shows you that he's your provider. And it doesn't matter what happens in life. You're still able to, to, to walk through it and trust in God. But then Satan comes and throws a fiery dart. He'll throw a fiery dart, and he's thrown it in the same area. All of us probably in here, the reason I'm using this is all of us have issues with our money. 
Satan throws a fiery dart and your job is about to be, you're about to lose your job. You get a threat, uh, a threat at losing your job. And maybe you lose it. Okay, let's just go ahead and lose it. And maybe you lose it because you've been falsely accused. Somebody said something about you that wasn't true and you lose your job because of it. That's a fiery dart. You know why Satan throws that at you? Because he knew you had fear way up here as your default mode regarding your basic needs. You never really believed up here that God would take care of your needs. Now you know he does, and then Satan is threatened by that. He hates that. That's going to cause spiritual growth in your life. That's going to cause you to, your, your faith to continue to increase in strength. If you obey there, if you continue to walk in faith here, then you're building up a shield of faith. If you trust the Lord and watch him provide for you in that circumstance, then comes the shield of faith. We trust God in the middle of our job loss, and we deepen our faith in him as he shows strong. He shows up strong as our provider in the middle of that. That has happened to me and Talitha and our kids. We have been there. And all that, that exact scenario. So where am I now? My shield of faith is strong in regard to the flaming. Uh, it extinguishes every flaming arrow that Satan throws at us regarding our finances, regarding our basic needs. You can't tell me that God's not going to provide my needs. Satan, you don't even, he don't even mess with me anymore in that area. Do you want victory in that area? Wear the breastplate of righteousness. Ask God what to do with your money. And then expect that he's going to tell you to do something inconceivable. He's going to ask you to do something that's going to challenge your faith. Because he's your provider. It doesn't matter to him. Yes, he's going to tell you to give your money away. Why? Because he wants to give you a shield of faith. But Satan tells us God's not going to take care of you, and so we don't ever walk in that. This is one category. One other category, physical health. We got some of that going on now, so I want to use it. Illness, right? Fallen world. Illness is all around us, and our fallen bodies are susceptible to illness. It's because of sin in a fallen world. It's happening. We get sick, and God heals our bodies and makes us feel good enough to function, okay? Maybe he uses medicine. Maybe he uses... uh, he just heals us, whatever it is. What happens? Uh, it, it increases our faith. We know that God is our healer. Okay, I know that everybody in this room understands that whether you took medicine or not to get well when you got your cold this season, that God is the one that healed you. But, but there's a challenge that God's going to give you. God allows one member of your family to get the flu. By the way, God didn't make your child get the flu, but God allows one member of your family to get the flu maybe. Uh, but if all of us get the flu, then we're really going to be set back. And so we pray and ask for our family to stay well. And God speaks for us to trust him. So we're praying, God, please don't let all my family get the flu. And then we read something in scripture or we read something in prayer. Or somebody says something to us. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, some other believer, and convinces us that God spoke. And he said that the rest of my family is not going to get sick. And we get excited about it. And we trust that. And nobody else in our family gets sick with the flu. That's a little bit different, right? God spoke it. We believed it. With the faith that God gave us, we obeyed. We, we didn't worry anymore. We trusted him, and we had peace. That built, up, that built up our breastplate. God kept his word and protected our family. All right, God really does hear my prayer. God really did something that's, that's God-sized. Every, the flu is contagious. My family didn't get it. God did it. 
You want to talk about a fiery dart, though? Satan brings cancer into our bodies. God allows it. Satan comes into the, uh, cancer comes into our bodies. That's a fiery dart, guys. Yeah, ask, ask, you know, get, get some testimony from uh, Bethany and from Carrie Grace and their families. That's a fiery dart. When that gets fired into your, in, when cancer gets fired into your body, you know what Satan's goal is? To destroy you. To destroy your relationship with God. To defeat you. To make you depressed. To get you down. To get you focused on your body and not focused on the Lord. You know what it's done in Bethany's life and Carrie Grace's life? They're stronger Christians. They love God more. Their faith is building up. They're not falling down. They're building up. Satan's losing the battle. You know why? God's building up a breastplate of righteousness. You know what happens whenever you, you, that fiery dart of illness gets thrown into your life and God heals you or God takes you, whatever it is, and you, you defeat the enemy in that? There's nothing that God can do to your body that makes you worry. You don't care anymore. Or you, or you beat cancer, so what you got? Our perspective changes. Everything changes about our perspective. We realize, we start realizing this life is not about this body. It's about eternal life. This is a vapor compared to the rest of life. God starts showing himself, teaching us about himself. Pick your category. Follow the hand of God as he builds up faith and deepens our faith. And it doesn't just apply to these two areas. Pick an area. Ultimately, every area of your life it can be affected. Satan's typically going to attack you where you feel the weakest and where you've been the weakest in the past. But pick an area. The shield of faith will grow in thickness as we believe God and walk with God when the fiery darts are being fired at us. That's where it gets thick. That's where it gets strong. And the flaming darts are extinguished. Here's, here's what I'm confident can happen for all of us. We can abide in Christ, that is, obey what he says, walk through life in, his, in victory, even when the flaming darts come at us in such a way that there is no category that won't be covered because we know God. When I started trusting God with my finances, then, then Satan tried to attack my marriage. And I applied what, the, what I knew about God in my finances to my marriage, and I asked him what to do, and he told me, and I did it, and he fixed my marriage. And when my, after my marriage got fixed and my finances got fixed and I got my shield of faith ready and he couldn't fire any darts at either one of those, then he started attacking me and my kid with my relationship with my kids who were, when they were adolescents, particularly Todd. He starts firing those darts. Yeah, well, you just need to take, you need to take control, be in control of this. You need to whatever, whatever. And I, I applied the wisdom that I got from God in my finances and in my marriage and I applied it to my relationship with my son and God told me what to do, and I did it. And God showed up. And my, he can't attack me anymore in relationship to my son. He used to have me so defeated in my relationship with him, he could get me down and depressed and angry and bitter, and he can't touch that anymore. He doesn't even fire those arrows anymore. Pick an area, church. God wants to show you that he is all you need in every area of life. Paul said it this way. Look, you can have joy. I literally have joy in the middle of attacks. In my finances, in my marriage, and with my son. I have joy in the middle of those attacks. I know that sounds weird. Some of you can understand that. But that's what Paul's talking about in chapter 
4 of Philippians when he says, verse 10, or, yeah, verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show. He's talking about giving to his ministry. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. All right, let me just close with this, church. Ultimately, I believe God wants us to be like Paul. I think God wants us to have this attitude that Paul has in this passage where we can say, I can do all things through Christ. God is our strength, and he will give you strength for whatever it is that Satan is throwing at you, but we need to appropriate that. When you're growing and pressing forward, and you're working in the kingdom of God, and, and you're being the gathering place, and you're doing all those things that God's called us to do and to be, get ready. Flaming darts are coming. Blasphemous thoughts, hateful thoughts, lustful thoughts, slanderous actions, gossip, physical desires, overwhelming periods of depression and negative thoughts toward yourself, toward your spouse, toward your friends, overwhelming fears toward yourself, toward your spouse, toward your kids. Flaming darts. They're coming, and they're coming in those categories that you've been falling in. So what do we do? Put on the shield of faith. Allow God to grow your faith by continuing to abide in him. Pursue his will for your life. Pursue God's plan in all the little details of your life. Don't leave those details out. Why leave out the little things? Put his, ask God about the little things so he can build your faith up. When you ask God and he tells you something, then you don't take credit for it. Oh, I don't want to bother God with the little things. You think God's busy? He is not busy. He wants you to bother him about the little things. His whole goal is to build up your shield of faith so that you can extinguish these fiery darts of the enemy. So whatever your area is, don't lie about it. Tell the truth. Get on your breastplate of righteousness. Be obedient to what God's telling you to do. Get solid in what you believe about your salvation and what you understand about your salvation and then let God start building up your shield of faith. It's, it is a, a ongoing thickening of your faith that God wants and that's what protects you. Okay, so you can work on that this week. You can work on it. Pursue God. Let's go after God. God has a will for us. He wants us to be a community that blesses and in order for us to be that, we, we need to know that, that we have an enemy who is already defeated, already been beaten in every way. He has no power over you, but we need to appropriate all of our armor. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've already given us victory. Now help us this week, God, to defeat the enemy in these ways. The ways that you've described to us each of us in our hearts today. God, I know for each of us it's different. 
maybe all of us have dealt already today because of the, what we've said with our finances and with the illnesses that we experience in life. But, but God, there's so many areas that, that other areas, and I know that you've brought some of those to our minds today. Father, help us to go to your word, to get truth, to stand against the enemy as he tries to deceive us, lie to us, move us outside of your plan. And Lord, particularly because you have a call for this body to make a difference in this community. Lord, we are determined to walk on mission with you. And so, Father, we need to learn how to extinguish these flaming darts, grow our faith, grow us this week, help us to appropriate these truths. And we will continue, God, to serve you and worship you. The more we know about you, God, the more attractive you are, the more beautiful you are. Father, it's, it's, at times it, it just feels like um, Satan's getting victory, but God, we know today from your word that he doesn't have the victory. So give us eyes to see the things you see. Give us, open up our eyes to see the forces that are standing on our side. Help us to see things like you see them, Lord. Strengthen our faith. Tell us how to deal with life. And show up in our lives, God. We want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name.